The Yesterday and Today podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun compilation of chronological source materials as they pertain to the Beatles. The show is in no way affiliated with Apple Corps, nor any organization connected to John, Paul, George, or Ringo in any way, though we do consider ourselves premier members of the Bungalow Bill fan club. So kick back, turn off your mind, relax, and download the stream. We hope you will enjoy the show. Yesterday and Today, 1969, Episode 35, September, Abbey Road, Side 1. Would you like to see the Beatles performing on stage live again? Uh, I don't know. I, I wouldn't mind playing, you know. I like playing the guitar with people and singing a few songs and stuff. But um, I don't know as to going on clubs and things like that. Yes. You can't split, can you? No. Well, I think it's mental. It's a mental concept. But to physically or spiritually split is impossible. Well, maybe not physically. I mean, spiritually, mm. it's, you know, you can't split. Well, I heard John say, Man, she's my gal. I heard her say, Man, she's my pal. Well, John jumped up. September 25th, John returned to the Abbey Road Studios. There he recorded and produced the Plastic Ono Band single, Cold Turkey. John and Yoko produced it working with engineers Tony Clark and Neil Richmond. On that session, John was backed by Klaus and Eric, 
but with a Ringo on drums. I offered Cold Turkey to Beatles, but they weren't ready to record a single. So I did it as plastic only. Mm. I don't care what it goes out as, as long as it goes out. Here's a bit from that session. One thing I'm sure of I'm in a deep freeze Oh, Cold Turkey Has got me On a run Also on that day, John remixed the tapes of the Plastic Ono Band's debut concert performance in Toronto, Canada on the 13th of September, preparing it for an LP to be released later in the year. Come September and the arrival of the Beatles' last collective effort, the Abbey Road album. Although the Let It Be LP was the last Beatle product released, Abbey Road was actually the group's last studio assembly. Let It Be was still locked up in hassles, according to production manager George Martin. Everyone was fighting each other, and everyone hated each other's guts. And it was very unhappy. And um, I really thought that it was the last album I'd ever work with, them, because I didn't want to work with them anymore. They were all rowing with each other, and they'd, nothing was good, and nothing... Uh, they were all just at odds. And I was very surprised when they asked me to come, when they came back and asked me to make another album with them and try and get back to what we had before, which, which then became Abbey Road, which was a very happy album. Abbey Road for me wasn't that tense. Paul McCartney. Because I was getting into a lot of musical ideas and kind of the the, uh, the medley thing on the second side. I was very up on doing that and very sort of excited about doing that stuff. And most of the stuff, I can't remember it being quite as tense. I think White Album was like the weirdest period because we were about to break up you know and that was just tense in itself we didn't know or i didn't know at the time george harrison recalls that it was the last beetle record that we would make but it kind of felt a bit like we were reaching the end of the line i think it was in a way the feeling that it might be our last so let's just show them what we can do let's show each other what we can do and let's try and have a good time doing it it was a very very happy album everybody worked on September 26th, the Beatles released their last recorded LP, Abbey Road. George, first let's talk about the new album, Abbey Road. I'd like to sort of run through the tracks and ask you uh, how you feel about them. Any, yeah. Anything at all that comes to mind. Let's start with the first one, Come Together. Come Together it was one of the ones, um, one of the last ones to be recorded. One of John's songs. You know John was in an accident, so he was off for a period of time. And then when he got back, we which was only a week or so before we finished the album we did this one so i think he wrote it only a month or so ago so it's very new and uh it's sort of 12 bar type of tune it's one of the nicest sounds we've got actually nice drumming from ringo and it's sort of a up tempo so as you call it a rocker rocker beat a boogie with very lennon lyrics as well I think it's pretty funky, you know, I'm biased because it's my song, I dig it, you know. And uh, it just, I, 
Uh, it just happened well, you know, it's a nice funky sound on it. Uh, what, what was the, the effect right at the beginning that we're going to hear in a minute, right at the beginning, a sort of uh, whistling tone? Oh, it's me going... on tape echo. Oh, right, it's sort of compressed then, isn't it? No, it's not compressed, it's just... I was sort of going... through my hands like that. Great, okay, well, we'll, we'll hear it right now. Come together.
come together, the first track of side one from Abbey Road. It was originally intended as another peace song, but it didn't come out quite like he intended. Come Together was John's choice cut from Abbey Road, the title reflecting the exact opposite of Beatles sentiment at that time. Somebody was always suing the Beatles for doing this or doing that. Most of the time they were just nuisance suits and never really amounted to anything. But one time, Chuck Berry's publishing company sued John for using a couple of lines from Chuck's You Can't Catch Me in John's song, Come Together. New Jersey Turnpike in the wee-wee hours I was rolling slow because of drizzling showers Yeah, come on, flat top, he was moving up with me Then come waving goodbye at a little old souped-up jitney I put my foot in my tank and I began to roll Moaning siren towards the state patrol So I let out my wings and then I blew my horn Bye-bye, New Jersey, I become airborne Now you can't catch me Baby, you can't catch me Well, they settled the suit when John agreed to record a couple of Chuck Berry songs, which he did on his own rock and roll album. Paul. First of all, congratulations on another super LP from the Beatles. What were your own favourite numbers? Which were you particularly satisfied yourself on this LP? Which ones stand out? Well, I like um, Come Together. That's a great one, which yeah. is John's yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. I like Something, George writes. I think it's, uh, for me, I think it's the best he's written.
What inspired something? Maybe Patty, probably. Really? I think Can I wrote it. I wrote it at the time when um, we were making the last double album, and it's just the first line, something in the way she moved, which has been in millions of songs. It's not a special thing. There's something in the way she moves, or looks my way, or calls my name. And so then I, I thought of trying to change the words, but they were the words that came when I first wrote it. So in the end, I just left it as that and just called it something. I usually get the first few lines of lyrics and uh, melody both at once, and then I finish the melody usually first, and then have to write the words. Like there's another song I wrote when we were in India about two years, eighteen months ago, and I wrote it straight away. And the first verse I wrote. Just said everything I wanted to say like that. The farther one travels, the less one knows. And then now I need to write a couple more verses, and I find it much more difficult.、Mm. But John gave me a handy tip <laughs> once, which is once you start to write a song, try and finish it straight away while you're in the mood. <clears throat> and I've、That's、learned from experience, yeah, because you go back to it, and then you're in a whole different state of mind, and it's more difficult. Sometimes it's easier, but on the whole, it's more difficult to come back to something. So I do now try and finish them straight away. Actually, I think Joe Cocker's recorded this song. Oh yeah. Because、um, when I wrote it, I imagined somebody like Ray Charles doing it.、Mm. It's you know that's how I the feel I imagine, but because I'm not Ray Charles, then I'm sort of much more limited in what I can do. Then it came out like this. It's nice. It's probably the the nicest、um, melody tune that I've written. Also on that side, Maxwell's Silver Hammer. Maxwell's Silver Hammer is、uh, is just something of Paul's, which he's been we've been trying to record it. We record we spend a hell of a lot of time on it. And、uh, it's one of those、uh, instant sort of whistle-along tunes, which I don't know. Some people will hate, and some people will really love it. The typical McCartney sing-along, or whatever you call them.、Oh. You know, it's more like、um, sort of honey, honey pie.、Oh, yeah. You know, fun sort of song.、Mm. But it's pretty sick as well, because <laughs> the guy gets keeps killing everybody.、Yeah. Paul says that. It epitomizes the downfalls in life. Just when everything is going smoothly, bang, bang, down comes Maxwell's hammer and ruins everything. On this track, you'll hear their new toy, the Moog synthesizer. That was good because, you know, I had that synthesizer, and、oh, it's、yeah. um, that's one of the tunes we use synthesizer on, which is pretty effective on this. And it's one of the first times a synthesizer was used in a pop recording. Okay, Maxwell's silver hammer, Paul McCartney. Joan was quizzical, studied metaphysical science in the home. Late nights all alone with a test tube. Oh oh oh. Maxwell Edison, majoring in medicine, calls her on the phone. Can I take you out to the pictures, Joan? Bang bang, 
doesn't sing She tells Max to stay when the glass has gone away So he waits behind Writing fifty times I must not be so Mark Lewison. Paul would tend to go over and over his material. I mean, he was obviously prone to throwaways. Wild Honey Pie was take one. You've got Her Majesty on um, the Abbey Road album, which is just a little ditty, just thrown away. And he likes doing that sort of stuff. But there were certainly songs which Paul wanted to make sure were right. Obladi Oblada, they spent a lot of time on that. Maxwell Silver Hammer, Oh Darling. I mean, there were quite a few songs that Paul was very careful with. Oh Darling, to me, is another of Paul's songs, which is typical sort of 1950 to 60 period type of song. The chord structure and everything, it's really nice. Uh, you know, those groups, I can't think of the names... Uh, Oh, like the moon glows and... Well, yeah, you know, there was a period, there was hundreds of... The monotone. Yeah. Well, it's typical yeah. sort of 1955 mm. type song. Paul wanted a particularly raw sound on his voice, as if he'd been performing the song on stage for a week. So he came into the studio a couple of hours early to rehearse his screaming. But this is more really just um, Paul singing. We do a few oohs in the background, which are, you can't... Just very quietly, but... It's mainly Paul shouting. Oh, darling, please believe me. 
I think the practice worked, Paul. Ringo's track is the next one, The Octopus's Garden, which reminded me, for some reason, of the Yellow Submarine cartoon film. Yeah, well, I think it's the bubble bubble, you know, and the fact that it's under the sea bit. Uh, I suppose it is, really. Yeah. It we... doesn't have any other connection. No, except it's about the bottom of the sea, you know, and getting away from it all. Octopus's Garden is Ringo's song. Is the second song Ringo wrote. And it's, um, it's lovely, you know, it's again, like Ringo, he gets bored, you know, playing the drums, and at home he plays a bit of piano, but he only knows about three chords, and he knows about <laughs> the same on guitar. <laughs> and so, uh, his main, the main music he likes is country and western, so it's really got a country and western feel, you know, and, uh, it's, actually, it's, I think it's a really great song, because, on the surface, it just—it's like a daft kid song, but the lyrics are great, really. For me, you know, I find very deep meaning in the lyrics, which Ringo doesn't probably doesn't see. But all the thing like resting our head on the seabed mm. and something we'll be warm beneath the storm, which is really great, you know, because it's like this level is a storm, and it's always. You know, if you get sort of deep in your consciousness, it's very peaceful. So Ringo's writing his cosmic songs without noticing. <laughs> so the little kids are going to love that. Well, yeah, maybe some big kids like it. I've heard a few people already who are big kids saying that it's their favourite track on the album. So, you know, you can't... What one person may dislike certain things, somebody else likes it, which is makes it difficult doing albums because we're all influenced by sort of different things and the Beatles has always been sort of a lot of different music it's never been one sort of bag it's a it's a pretty it's a sing-along sort of song it's a ring-along sing-along yeah very good folks yeah octopus's garden to be under the sea in an octopus's garden in the shade he'd let us in knows where we've been in his octopus's garden in the shade I'd ask my friends to come and see In an octopus's garden in the shade We would be warm below the storm In our little hideaway beneath the waves Resting our head on the seabed In an octopus's garden near a cave 
Moses garden in the shade. about the coral that lies beneath the waves oh what joy for every girl and boy knowing they're happy and they're safe we would be so happy you and me no one there to tell us what to do I'd like to be The last one on this side is I want you bracket she's so heavy it is it, it gets sort of very, it is very heavy and um, it's John plays lead guitar and sings the same as he plays this is good because he has um it's really basically a bit like a blues the riff that he sings and plays is really a very basic blues type thing but again it's very original sort of john type song that's me about yoko yeah it's a great great guitar thing well that's my guitar but the whole thing lick piece Playing, I play the whole parts throughout the guitar. The ending too? Because that sounds. Yeah, like... that's my lick. Yeah. And there's lots of guitar parts that were written well, by me and played by me in Beatle records. They just never were the written. First, the first day we were talking, you were belittling your guitar. It sounds like you shouldn't be. Well, you know, I'm sort of a. I can't play as well as other people play, but I have a. I can. I have a style. My spirit comes through when I play guitar, but I'm a limited guitar player in that in respect of notes and being very fast and things like that i have a style of playing which i can always do but i just never took it any further because i was more interested while i was writing songs george was learning guitar i was a singer and that's why he, his singing took a long time to get good and his songwriting because he was concentrating on guitar i concentrated on performing and writing songs but you thought I'd written it. Right. <laughs> Sorry. I've got to admit And the middle bit's great. John has a, an amazing thing with his timing. He always comes across with sort of different timing things, like, uh, example, all you need is love. Nothing you can do that can't be done. Which just sort of skips beats out and changes from three, bar, three four, 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 you know, all in and out of each other. But when you question him as to what it is he doesn't know he just does it naturally and once you try and pin it down he you know and this has got bridge section of this is a bit like that it's got a really very good um chord sequence that he uses can we use the moog synthesizer on it oh that's that's what all that yeah, yeah and it's, the range of the the sound is from you know minus whatever to way over where you can't hear it you know the, the, that machine the Moog synthesizer can yeah. can do all sounds, you know, all ranges of sound. So we did that on the end. So if you're a dog, you could hear it a lot more. 
<laughs> only dogs listening will get this together. Yeah. Uh, John, would you speak about playing the uh, Moog synthesizer? I understand that there are there are who is it's like a state. robot who, who gets it together. Yeah, George can work it a bit. You know, I mean, uh, it'll take you all your life to learn all the the variations on it. But uh, George has got one, and uh, a few people in England have got them, and they're just sort of experimenting with them. He used it on the Billy Preston LP. And it also plays the, the solo in Because, and uh, I think in Maxwell it comes in too. It's here and there on the album. Yeah. So it's a matter of just sort of phasing it out to the sort of music you're doing at the time, is it? Yes, yes. You, you can make it play anything, you know, any style, any, you know, freaky or just plain. You know, it sounds like trumpets and things yeah. if you want it to. Can, can it, in fact, be uh, sort of set to play a particular pattern? Yeah, I, mean, I, think it, sort of... I think it just can go off on its own, you know. <laughs> I mean, you could get it to play Hare Krishna on its own forever, you know, and see and what uh, happens to it. Say, yeah, well, it's just those frightening prospects of a Moog synthesizer concert at some point. Yeah, well, I mean, that'll be a, the, a great plastic ono band, you know, with a Moog synthesizer that just went on and sang and played everything on its own. Because I suppose, you know, technically the notes would be all perfect anyhow, wouldn't they? Yeah. Yeah, they just need one guy to switch it on, you know. And then leave, and yeah. go and collect the tickets on the door. Yeah. <laughs> okay, this is the track called I Want You, She's So Heavy.
track was finally finished, Lennon commanded engineer Jeff Emmerich to make one final edit. As released, I Want You ends abruptly at 7 minutes 44 seconds, but the basic track actually went on for another 20 seconds. Alan Parsons, then a fledgling engineer at Abbey Road, explains just how it happened. We were doing the final touches to uh, the end of side one, you know, the thing that, where the tape just cuts, because John came in and said, there, and Jeff cut the tape. <laughs> that was it, that was, that was, the, that was the fade. Everybody was, and it had been mixed. He just uh, said, cut the tape there. And that was it. For more information or to contact the show, visit yesterdayandtodaypodcast.wordpress.com or email at yesterdayandtodaypodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at yesterdaypod on Twitter and search Yesterday and Today Podcast on Facebook. See you next time. I'm Paul Kaminsky. And I'm James Kaminsky. And we are the co-hosts of the Third Men Podcast. We are a Jack White history podcast where we go over the White Stripes, Third Man Records, the list goes on. And occasionally, we do a funny voice or two. So you're going to probably want to get used to that. Or turn it off. Whatever your preference. Or whatever turns you on. (laughs) Hey now, you're an all-star, because occasionally... We'll do an all-star We did do an entire Smash Mouth episode once. That is true. (laughs) We are every other week on Wednesdays, and we are available on iTunes and really wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, so why don't you come on and find yourself a little home here with us? We promise we'll be weird roommates. If I want to do the dishes without my pants on, that's my deal. That was weird. See? We weren't (laughs) even lying.